Welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey. She's fully under Osborne, and this is Inside Exec. We're continuing our discussion with John Pabon, and this week we're looking at what sustainability actually means within an organisation and the three hows. In that sense, what I'm hearing is that so much of what they need to address are people-based issues, one way or another. Given the change in the way we've worked over the past few years, have you seen an increase in people taking on changes that you could bring into the sustainability umbrella? It's a fascinating question. And it's something that the conference board, one of the organizations I work with, we discussed, I believe, mid last year. So it's a group of executive sustainability folks that that meet their, their focus and remit is on Asia Pacific without China. China is a totally different beast. <laughs> but one of the discussion <laughs> points was, okay, with everybody, for example, working from home, It wasn't the sustainability angle, because I think that's quite easy to measure. You know, people aren't driving to work, so you reduce your emissions this way. That's easy to to figure out. Their questions were more along the lines of the legal and human rights aspect. So if somebody stubs their toe in their home office, am I responsible for that? Yeah. So it's it's really around those more uh, really tangible issues for, for legal folks, for folks that are in corporate affairs that they're they're worrying about. What we have seen post-COVID is a massive uptick in the amount of companies that have gone, oh, I can really make money off this whole sustainability thing. And that's led to massive increases in greenwashing, which we can talk about. There's been massive increases in companies saying they're doing one thing and not doing another. Mm-hmm. So, so that's where we are now. So COVID has in, in lots of ways gotten a lot of companies on board but they've also diluted a lot of the good things that other companies are doing. And it's, it's making my job a little bit more difficult to, mm. to explain away their actions. You're getting to very different groups of organisations that you're working with now. Does that then open up the floodgates for people to come in and say they're experts and tell them what to do without any real end goal in mind, I guess is the way to put it. <laughs> Yes, watch out for anybody who ever calls themselves an expert. There's no such thing. Run the other way. So that's that's a good first indicator. And then second, always check how many business cards they have. But yes, uh, definitely, there's 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 the potential now for people to come in and say they're they're experts in sustainability. Uh, going back to that very first issue that we talked about is that people don't know what sustainability means. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. fertile ground for people to to come in as snake oil salespeople. So yeah. definitely be cautious with that. Uh, look at the track record of a consultant or a company that you're working with. Yeah. And certainly when it comes to sustainability, I would always recommend whether a company is mature or not to bring in external assistance. Uh, yeah. it, it just makes more sense. Don't try to do this on your own. Bring in the experts. They already know what they're doing. You'll get to where you're trying to go to a lot faster with a lot fewer mistakes. That wasn't a shameless pitch for myself, but just in general, a good idea for business. No, I'm, I'm actually we don't mind the shameless in that. That's fine. <laughs> On that point, say I'm in a company where I'm at that stage and I want to do the right thing and I don't want to listen to people pretending they're experts. Where do I go? I mean, okay, we could start in Australia. Where do I start or where is the rules or something I can start off with? It's not easy, especially in Australia, because yeah. in, in sustainability in general, we don't have associations yeah. like a lot of a lot of industries yeah. do. There's no equivalent to the, the Public Affairs Institute for Sustainable People. Yeah. So that, that doesn't exist. It does require looking at 
what other companies have done. And I, I explain to people that sustainability is industry agnostic in a lot of ways. The, the problems that you have in one part of a business or in one business, yeah. somebody's probably already answered. So we're, we're not starting from scratch. So really to look at where those case studies are and try to find how they then can help you get to a point where you can, you can start to bring in external help or you can have a, a very strong foundation. And I know I talked original, uh, you know, a little earlier about how some of these things are dependent on industry, but a lot of the, the basic foundational questions that companies would have, it, it, they've already been answered. So just go with those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No need to reinvent the wheel, especially with what we're doing. We have enough stuff to focus on. I'm interested in your books. We've touched on them briefly. The first one, Sustainability for the Rest of Us, what made you put it down on paper? Frustration, probably like a lot of uh, other (laughs) authors. What I was seeing uh, around the time I started to, to think of the book, and this would have been 2017, 18, was... A misunderstanding, certainly, of what sustainability is and a misunderstanding at a a individual level what I as a person can do about it. So the book is primarily focused on really tangible ways that people can make a difference. That could be changing your thought process. I don't want to get too philosophical, but changing your thought process and looking at things a different way. We'll go back to the recycling and putting things in bin example, because that's one of my favorites. So a lot of times people think, okay, I've chucked it in the bin. I, I've put this here and this there. I've done my bit. I'm good. I can go back, sit on the couch, which is not at all the case. It's not uh, you do this and you don't need to do anything else because at the end of the day, recycling really isn't making as much of a difference as, as we think it is. And I don't want to dissuade anyone from recycling. Please keep doing what you're doing because we're great at it. But at the end of the day, only about 10% of all recycling comes from households. So mm-hmm. by and large, the yeah. business sector needs to be the ones responsible and really sorting out their trash because we're, we're not making as much of a dent as we think. And that really then bleeds into my overall perspective on sustainability, that it has to be on the corporate sector, the private sector, to really be leading, building a sustainable future. The bottom-up approach, we've been doing that for close to 100 years, and it worked to a point. I think we're well past what individuals are able to do on their own. Again, this don't I don't want to dissuade anybody from keeping doing what you're doing. If you're vegan, if you're recycling, if you have an electric car, keep doing it. That's great. And from a top-down perspective, the government has sort of washed their hands of helping us by and large around the world. So Mm -hmm. so we can't truly rely on them Mm -hmm. either. So it's up to the corporate sector. They're the ones that kind of got us in the mess anyway. So it is respons they're responsible, but they they need to be doing the majority of the work because they have the capacity, resources, and and money to to get things done. So it very much is a change in the thinking, a change in the direction. One of the topics that we suggested we talk about was this forward planning for sustainability. So most organisations go through a forward planning process where they have the three, the five, the 10-year plan. Introducing sustainability as part of that or even underpinning everything else that they do, is that the way forward for a starting point? I think it makes sense, especially as a starting point, to get started out in the right direction and on the right trajectory. So so building the right sustainability metrics or ideas or a mission at the beginning makes total sense. And I want to back up just a, a few steps and look historically about one of the big reasons, I think at least, 
we have so much uh, trouble bringing sustainability into these organizations, especially the big dinosaur sort of organizations. And I think it all goes back to this idea of quarter by quarter metrics. And that's, that's a relatively new thing. You know, up until probably about a decade ago, we were still talking about the 50-year Toyota model as being the the model we should follow. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, I, I'm an exec and, you know, now every three months I'm being based on performance. Sustainability yeah. is not every quarter. Sustainability is a long-term thing. So with this continuing viewpoint that everything is three months, three months, three months, there's no room for sustainability mm. with that thought process. So that's where a lot of the issues originally start. So to figure out a way to marry long-term thinking with short-term metrics, that's where we need to be heading as, as business leaders, certainly. And I don't have the answer for that, but that's definitely the way that companies need to need to be thinking if they want to build sustainability into their organization. But you know, to go back to your, your original question, the forward thinking and forward planning really comes down to what I would call the, the three hows. So first off, how are we going to view sustainability? And we talked a bit about this already. What does it mean for my organization? What does it mean for where we are from a maturity level? So how are we going to define sustainability for our business? And then really going with with that definition and making it more of a business imperative versus a nice to have, because we're we're also way past the idea that sustainability is just a nice to have sort of thing. Um, The second is how do we engage stakeholders? Stakeholders are so important to the world of sustainability because they help us to understand as business leaders, what's going on outside the organization. So we can certainly do much more forward planning that way. And I think it's really important and something that we're not so great at in sustainability is understanding our audience of stakeholders. The the universe of stakeholders in sustainability is vast, it grows, but at the end of the day, there's three kind of groupings. So you have the internal stakeholders, that's your internal folks, it's your management that's one group. You have your next layer out, which is the external, the suppliers, those that give you money, the investors. And then the third layer are those that give you what we call a social license to operate. So it's it's organizations, government, civil society that may not have the power to stop you as a business, but certainly they have the power to stop you know, stakeholders and consumers from purchasing from you if you're an FMCG company. So they give you that license to operate. So really understanding what each of those groups wants is very important to developing a a broader sustainability plan, but also looking forward, even if you don't imbue sustainability into your organization, it just makes business sense to know what your stakeholders want. And then the third how is, is how we're going to govern all of this. How are we going to make sure we're actually doing what we say we're doing? There's no sense doing a materiality analysis, putting a strategy in place and talking Uh, you know, an amazing game and putting a mission in place, if you're just not going to do anything with it, it's a waste of everybody's time. And it's certainly a waste of money. And that's where a lot of things happen. And, you know, as a a lifelong consultant, we see this all the time, companies will pay millions of dollars for a piece of paper that they never look at. It just makes no, it boggles the mind. And it's, it's even worse in sustainability where there's lots of strategies and there's not so much execution. So how are you going to make sure you're doing what you're being told to do? It's getting back to basics, really, you know, business basics. We both come from a public sector background for a long time before we went into the private sector. So we know all about the manual that sits on the shelf that no one looks at. (laughs) Which I think brings it back to the government. And I think it says that, for example, people work well with incentives or with fines. So organisation, if you spill oil on the harbour, 
you got to clean and you got to pay a fine. You also got to demonstrate X, Y, and Z. So I think we got to get to that point where it hits the, the hip pocket, right? And then within the organizations, the, the person is firstly the CEO in their performance because they're usually employed for a contract of three to five years. And then everybody else has to meet it and cascade down. And I hear what you're saying about the short term, but if you put it in that will affect their bonuses and their promotion, <laughs> it's tracking towards that sort of thing. It's, it's got to be a bit harder than it has been. Absolutely. And that, that goes to this idea of tying those those KPIs to sustainability metrics. It, it has to be that way. I, I agree 100%. So that's where companies need to be moving. If I, if I want to wax positive for a second, uh, we're, yeah. we're at the beginning of this, this virtuous cycle now where I, I am a firm believer that in 10 years time, those companies that are not playing ball now are not going to be around anymore. It's, it's going to be to be an exponential growth with sustainability mm. because we're already at the stage where companies are realizing there's a financial incentive to it. But they also realize that on the other end of the spectrum, they're going to be fined and pilloried if they do anything bad. So so we're at the the starting phase of this now. And as more and more companies begin to evolve with sustainability, the competition to diversify, to, to differentiate is just going to increase exponentially. So we're headed the right direction. And I, I do think in the not too distant future, we'll see executives having all of these KPIs tied to sustainability. The thing that occurred to me while you were talking about stakeholders was that there is an opportunity for the stakeholders to be the drivers of introducing sustainability. And that's not unheard of, but it's also if we took away the sustainability word and said, well, the stakeholders are telling us that we have to be have a safer workplace, we let them do that. You've got to be listening to the stakeholders at a whole different level and about different things than, than we have done previously. Absolutely. And I think as well, this this idea of, I don't know, maybe we should just get rid of the the term sustainability altogether, because it is, again, so loaded that it already puts people in one frame of mind. So if I yeah. say sustainability to an executive, they're already thinking about the trees. They're not thinking about yeah. their people or their suppliers. So because yeah. sustainability has become so pervasive within an organization, it touches on every single facet of an organization. I'm not so sure we need to keep talking about sustainability as, as a term at all. Just talk about your, your worker rights. Talk about your, what's happening in your supply chain. Talk about the recycling program or the philanthropy that you're doing, but don't introduce it with just, oh, this has to do with sustainability because it's now we've, we've yeah, infiltrated yeah. every part. I think that's absolutely spot on. I'm old enough to, to go back to when we talked about occupational health and safety, which is health and well-being now. And it's come a long way. But at the beginning, when you said, no, you've got to wear hard hats on sites or, or boots or whatever, they weren't ready for it. And they were saying, well, I've done that for the last 40 years. And, oh, it's okay, these accidents do happen. Until the transition was made saying, this is how many people you lost in the last year. This is the impact of it financially. And now nobody's going to come and work for you because you're not a good employer and so on. The same when it was quality introduced. Why would I do that? That's rubbish. No, because you reduce cycle time, you reduce um, double handling, and you save that much money. Oh, I'm listening now. <laughs> and if we if we keep it with the key ones, and I like that acronym ESG, because that 
is from a business perspective, I can relate to that. So I could see that like, this is about my people getting the right ones, treating them right, keeping them. We know the advantages and, you know, behind the scenes, it is absolutely sustainability, but we can leave it silent. <laughs> exactly. Agree 100%. Time for a break in our discussion with John Fabon. Join us for part three of this discussion. But for now, I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne. We're talking with John Fabon about sustainability in organisations. And this is Inside Exec. <laughs> <laughs> 